The Drummer and the Great Mountain, a podcast where we share effective tips and practices for working with adults ADD, ADHD in a natural, effective way without the use of medications. Each episode, join me, your host, Batman Saram, along with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Join Michael and myself in an interactive discussion of sharing our stories as we journey together in transforming what can be the gift of being what we call hunter types. This podcast is intended to be your audio companion to the book written by Michael, who joins me each episode where we both will strive to foster dialogue, give you our personal insights, and share both of our experiences on this similar path that we are all on. Our intention and hope is that along with the book, this podcast gives you an additional perspective as you listen to us delve deeper into each chapter of the book to give you even more tools to go along with what it is that you are reading. Visit us at drummerandthegreatmountain.com to purchase the book and look for more tools, tips, and updates, as well as giving us feedback on this podcast. Join our growing global community of creative types, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers on our shared journey. Welcome to the Drummer in the Great Mountain podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Joseph Ferguson. How's your 2020 doing? I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, On today's podcast, we are going to be discussing the topic of leaning on your strengths, leaning on your strengths as a hunter type. So we're going to talk about what are the common strengths that many of us have? What are your particular strengths? And we want to talk through, I'm going to go through some exercises to unearth that a little bit. Uh, And how can you cultivate these gifts? How can you cultivate these tendencies that you have, your, your, your superpowers as a hunter type? And how can you build a life where you are utilizing utilizing those more regularly in your life so that you're not trying to just fit in and adapt to a world that feels a little foreign to you or is really challenging for you, especially some of the mundane tasks of day-to-day life that we tend to judge ourselves for not being good enough to uh, accomplish them? How do we find those superpowers and really hone in on those, focus on those, bring those into our home life, our work life, um, and as service into the world? How do we use our gifts as service into the world? Because that truly is the deepest joy and satisfaction. And, And hopefully that's also part of your work life as well. And it comes from an intention to do it. So if you feel like you don't have some of these pieces that we're going to talk about, there's a chance you have not, may not have cultivated them enough. You haven't spent enough time working on these gifts. You may not be fully nourishing your body and your brain enough so that they can emerge, which I'll talk a little bit my personal story with that. So uh, as with last episode. Um, At the beginning of the year, I started the year off with uh, top 15 tips. Uh, Got a lot of really good feedback. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Same with this one. We're going to be doing an exercise at the end of this episode. So grab a pen and a piece of paper or have your phone available so you can take some notes. But I want to encourage you to take the time hit pause on whatever you're doing in your life and go through these the exercise. It's going to be really short, but it's going to, I think, really help you set some intentions going into 2020. So stay tuned for that. 
Okay, one quick plug uh, for our upcoming workshop. So our sixth Alive online workshop starts January 25th. That's a Saturday. Um, so this is a four-week workshop, and this is designed, was initially designed to be a kickoff for the beginning of the year for Hunter Types. So we're going to be covering life visioning and goal setting in the first session, time management in the second, developing a wellness plan in the third session, and creating good support systems in the fourth session. So this is jam-packed, lots of information, but also lots of support to utilize this. This is a workshop, so you'll be doing the work while we're live. And so I try not to give you a lot of homework. It's mostly about you doing the work uh, on the in, inside the workshop because I know you're wired the way I'm wired. And so it gives you a grounding to do your goal setting, to develop your time management system, to get your wellness plan in place and create good support systems for yourself. And this has been this workshop's been refined and refined, and I'm just really proud of this one. So I really hope you can join us. It's a great opportunity to connect with fellow hunter types from around the world. Each one of these has been really amazing, and I've just been so excited to connect with all of you. And many of you become friends and support buddies for each other. So if you can join us, I would love to connect with you. So uh, you can find out more information by going to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash workshop, or you can just see the link at the top of the page. Um, check that out. And uh, if you are interested, we are doing an early bird special between now, which is the 11th, and I believe it ends on the 18th. So you get a discount going into it if you uh, join by then. So check it out, drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash workshop. So today's topic is leaning on your strengths. And I want to start off by something with something that happened yesterday. So one of my early influences as a musician passed away. And so many of you know who this is. So Neil Peart, who was the drummer for the, the Canadian band Rush, he was also their lyricist, passed away yesterday or I think earlier in the week from brain cancer. I think he was 67. So he was still pretty young. Um, and I and I, when it happened, I was like, whoa. It was, it really hit me. And um, because he had such an influence on, I think, not only uh, my musical life, which even though I moved on and didn't listen to Rush as much after, I'd say, from the age of like 10 to 15 was like kind of the peak period where I was really like the most uh, formulative years, especially as a musician, uh, he had a huge impact on me. And um, so I was reflecting on that, and I think it fits in with today's topic because this is someone who definitely exhibited hunter-type tendencies in terms of restlessness, absolute dogged focus on mastery, um, and he seemed to have found a way to live um, a clean life. He didn't seem like he got lost in uh, any like major addictions, and he exercise and he seemed to take care of himself which really didn't I didn't reflect on that until uh till yesterday so but I want to talk a little bit about that because I think we all have these mentors and role models that we grew up with that were definitely hunter types or definitely had some of those traits that uh, were someone who really took like their gifts and put all they went all in on them and really refined them and then took them out into the world and test drove them out and, and really impacted the world. So for me, um, as I was saying, he was like my first musical mentor. So I, my musical journey started with drums. Uh, and 
in hindsight, and this is what I often say for with parents who are wanting to get their kids into music, start them with drums because drums give you the foundations of music. When you, I'm, I was a better guitarist, producer, lyricist because I learned rhythm first. I just can't express how important. And so, to me, like Neil Peart was God. He was the guy. And um, anyone who's listened to Rush, I mean, even if you don't like them, you can just tell like he's unbelievably skilled at his craft. Uh, but he was also their lyricist. And I think at that time in my life, um, I really wasn't drawn to kind of the party. There was a lot of rock and roll that had, like the lyrics just didn't resonate with me. And his lyrics definitely cut a little deeper. He was clearly well-read. He had spent a lot of time, he reflected on, he, he, he didn't do it just passively throw out lyrics. He definitely spent a lot of time working on them. So as a 12, 13, 14 year old who really felt ostracized from his own peer group, um, it was definitely one of those mentors that I looked up to and said, okay, well, this is someone that's clearly taken his craft to a very high level. And that's what I want to do. Um, so when I was reflecting on, uh, well, the other note is for the, for all you Canadians out there, um, you know, my condolences because he, I know he was one of your greats and that's what connected me in with, uh, I'd say Canada because I had no reference for Canada. I mean, it'd be prior to the internet, um, how would I even know what's going on in Canada unless I was like, you know, you don't you don't get cultural references uh, for another country, especially back then. If you did not have some something that was dropping into your world, they could say this is what's going on in Canada. So it, I think I had like a love and connection with Canada through the band Rush and through through Neil specifically and just listen to his lyrics and learning about him as I was exploring my musical career. So uh, Part of what I think is important to note here is um, he was able to, as I was looking back at some of his interviews yesterday, uh, the one, couple of things that really stood out. One was that he always set j goals just out of reach for himself. So he constantly was setting a goal and then trying to hit it and pushing himself just a little further. He'd set a goal, whether it was with his writing, his drumming, or with anything else he did in his life. He was also um, he also took bike rides all around the world. He wrote about those in his travel logs. And he was always setting a goal just out of reach for himself to keep him. And if you're a hunter type, you know what this is like. If you don't have inspiration or something to push towards, uh, it's easy to get complacent or bored or just sort of blah. And then that's, if you keep going in that direction, then self-medication and just getting lost in the doldrums is really common for us hunter types. So that was one. And two is that he, he at some point during the 90s, after he had become like so well known as, you know, considered one of the greatest drummers alive, uh, he completely reinvented his whole playing style and humbly went to a drum teacher and started over and completely reworked the very mechanics of how he played. Which, if you're a drummer, that's a, any instrument. It's, if you started learning an instrument and you completely reworked the muscle memory of where you started from, that's a huge, especially if you are, because that can really mess you up. If you're a touring musician and you start to mess with the, the wiring of your basic mechanics of playing the instrument, it could backfire because if you're the, the muscle memory, uh, it goes runs really deep and it can throw you off. If anyone's tried to do that, uh, if you've stayed with a skill set for a long time, um, 
especially when people are counting on you to show up and play at a certain level. And he was definitely, everything that they wrote was very complicated. Uh, that really stood out to me as well. It's like, that was his level of dedication for growth that he didn't want to just rest on his laurels. He wanted to keep pushing himself. Um, and then the third piece was he talked about enthusiasm and he, he talked about the word enthusiasm and having enthusiasm, which is sort of like kind of a bland, like when I hear enthusiasm, I think, well, what is that? But he was saying that, that the definition means infected with the God. And I really like that. And he would, he would talk about, he would quote Bob Dylan and say the best thing you could do as an artist is to inspire people to take action. And those are really simple concepts, but play, put in practice, those are profound and clearly took him through an entire career. Um, as a musician, and I think the win there is he kept alive with his art versus he could have easily rested on his laurels and just kept going out and going out and just doing the same thing over and over again. So that was just that was something that just happened that I wanted to share and also just wanted to, I know many of you, I've got a lot of listeners in Canada, so I just wanted to connect that in as well. Uh, and I know some of you, it's like Rush became uncool at some point, and I think I kind of fell into that a little bit myself. But looking back, I'm just absolutely grateful to have specifically, I'd say, Neil Peart as a model for excellence that I think in my formative, formative years, I, I don't think until yesterday I realized just how much of an impact that had on, my, um, on the mechanics of how I approach uh, learning a craft. So um, hats off to you, Neil. Thanks for the inspiration. Safe travels. And uh, if you have a hunter type that's been a role model to you and, you know, hunter type, I like that term versus ADHD because there's so many artists that fall into that category that would never say they were. So I like the term hunter type because it has a positive uh, expression of that. So if you know of, if you want to share um, one of your role models, I would love to hear from you. Post it onto the uh, Facebook page. So DharmaInTheGreatMountain.com, go to the top, click on Facebook, and just share, just do a post. And maybe I'll, I might, or I'll tell you what, here's, this is better. I'll post this podcast as a post to Facebook. Reply to that. I would love to hear from, from you. Who were your role models growing up that were hunter types that inspired you in some way in your creative life or just as a human being, you just found like that person really, maybe you, you're, it's music that you continue to listen to. Maybe you're an, uh, you, you paint or you draw or like whatever your art or creativity is. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Who were your hunter type role models? There's tons of entrepreneurs that are also hunter types. So that might be another area to explore, but I'd love to hear from you. Post that to the Facebook page for Drummer in the Great Mountain to the post for this podcast. And um, yep. So I wanted to start off with that. And I want to move on to just what's the point of leaning on your strengths? Why is that important for us hunter types? And I think the key to this is if we're not doing that, almost by default, we will be living in self-doubt, self-judgment. We will have a hard time motivating ourselves because we'll just be looking at what we have to do for that day. And if it's just a series of mundane tasks, it just becomes completely overwhelming to us. Um, it's also, I think, a key piece of it is finding your own sense of self-confidence to move forward. And I know for me that, that if I didn't have self-confidence, um, 
wired into me. I know a lot of it comes from upbringing. I know I was very much encouraged growing up. And many of you I know didn't get that. And so we have to become our own inner cheerleader to say, get up, keep going. I don't care if you're the only one saying it, you have to have some way of building that self-confidence to know that you have something to give into the give to the world and that you also spend the time and energy to cultivate those skills. I can't stress how important that is. There are so many skills that I'm bringing to bear to do this podcast, to write the book, to continue to do the thing, and to, to coaching. All of those did not just come out of nowhere. There were definitely, there were seeds of some of those gifts, but I had to spend a lot of time working on those. Graphic design, another one. So we, I do all our graphic design, everything you see, uh, on our webpage and everything, that all comes from me and Cuesta. We, we will sit down and we'll focus on, we'll talk it through, we'll create it. But that's another skill set that I spent many years working on. It, to have that as a skill set that I can pull in and say, I can use this to visualize or create something that's in my head, that took me many years to cultivate. But it's such, like, I'm so grateful for the time and energy that I used doing that versus something else. And it came out of inspiration. It did come out of, uh, um, it didn't come out of a have to. I didn't wake up and go, okay, now I've got to practice graphic design today. It was always, ah, oh, this is, I'm excited. I get to do this. The key piece to this is if you're not focusing on working on and cultivating those things that you are innately good at, then they tend to just be covered up by all of the mundane, overwhelming things of life. And so it takes a certain level of warrior, inner warrior, warrioress nature to say, no, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to shut out some things for a little bit and just focus on this. And that may, may mean, as we're going to talk about a little bit, stealing away time from anything like like staring at your phone or watching Netflix or whatever it is that pulls you in and you're devoting time to the thing that you most care about. Um, in terms of other challenges, hunter, hunter types really need something to get us up in the morning. They also, we also need to have a sense of what that is. So if you're not clear about what your gifts are, then they tend to just lay dormant. You, it, it takes a certain level of excavation, going, excavate, you basically need to go into yourself and say, what are the things that I know I can do? I know I can do well, or that I've seen, like I've tasted it a little bit. I know that if I keep going in that direction, it's probably going to bear fruit. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And what I want to start with is going through the list. So this is the list from, from the book, The Drummer in the Great Mountain, the Am I a Hunter Type chapter, and it's page 50. So many of you have the book. Feel free to, to read along at home if you'd like. I want to go through this because I feel like if you hear some of these and they jump out at you, then that's the, the first step. And many of you already know this. I'm, I'm talking. I might be preaching to the choir for many of you, but even for myself, there's times where I have to take stock and go, okay, what? A, you know, I can get lost in kind of the busyness of the world and forget why am I doing this? What do I care about? What do, what really inspires me and gets me up in the morning? And as you get older, as I know many of you know, because I've been talking to you in a lot of the groups, knowing how to get yourself up in the morning and feel inspired, it's something that doesn't come as easily often as you get older. So you have to get even smarter about 
uh, knowing what inspires you and get yourself up in the morning. So I'm going to go through these strengths. I'm going to list them one by one and note for yourself, if you've got a pen and piece of paper, write down the things that jump out to you that either one, it's something you know is a strength of yours or two, it's a strength that is potential. Like, you know, that you could cultivate it further. And then later we're going to talk about how then you can take those cultivate them and utilize them both in work, at home, as service, and just as creative drive to keep you up and awake and alive as you move through the world. So here's the list. So the first strength is creativity. So that's any kind of artistic abilities. Um, That's also just that sits in the world of entrepreneurial, being imaginative. Often for many of us, if we've spent the time uh, really putting an emphasis on our creative life. We're off. Many hunter types are multi-talented. I'd say I see that over and over again with my coaching clients when I start to talk about, okay, what are the things that you're, you're really good at? There's often a, a list of things that they've, they've spent time maybe, and here's a real common one. Uh, the, you'll focus just laser beam focus on, on mastering something, mastering it, and then moving on. That's a really common hunter type where you you may look back and go, oh, yeah, I went through these periods where I hyper-focused. And then you finally went, okay, I got to where I need to get to, and then you moved on. And I know I have many of those. And I think it wasn't until later in my life, as I said earlier, that I saw that each one of those was a key piece of the puzzle moving forward. Even though I moved on, as I said, like with drumming, as I talked about, like those, that muscle memory, I still got it. That, that my drumming muscle memory is still very much in place. I could sit in with a band easily right now and at least hold, I can hold my own because that muscle memory is just drilled into me. So strength number one is creativity. Another strength is being adaptive and resourceful. We can be very crafty as hunter types. And so that makes us really good problem solvers. We can also be flexible in, in many ways. There's a, there's a skill set where we can, we can go into a situation, assess it, and, and then be fl- and, and flex a little bit, whereas other people tend to, farmer types tend to be a little more linear. And, you know, that's a gift, but it's also, it, being linear can be a real gift, and it's good that there's farmer types in the world because they keep everything going. And it's not always the best trait when you're leading a company and you need to turn on a dime to make sure that you're able to, you know, grow to the next level. That's why entrepreneurs tend to be hunter types where they and often to the frustration of the people around them. But when you look back, they if the good ones know when to trust their gut and to be able to shift and, and make a decision that would take the company forward versus someone that just kept plodding along and plodding along and then start, you know, seeing the growth go down and down and down. Hunter types have an ability to be quick thinking, fast on their feet, versatile, um, skillful at overcoming obstacles by finding an innovative solution. So that's clearly, those are clearly hunter type traits. So along with that is being imaginative, non-linear thinkers. So that's Talent for conceptualizing, capable of seeing the big picture, skilled at brainstorming and generating ideas, imaginative and often visionary. If someone who's really cultivated this gift, they're called visionaries in the world. If you look, if you like put the word in visionary, 
and in Google and look at the list of people that show up, there's a really high probability that that those are hunter types. Many, many of those people are hunter. If you look at their personal life, if you look at their tendencies, and then also you got to look at what, what, how did they compensate? If they're clearly a hunter type, some of them, all they were all in in just their creative life and the rest of their life totally fell apart. And the ones that were smart were the ones that had a good exercise routine, had good nutrition, were good at um, delegating. Some of those skill sets are really important for hunter type entrepreneurs. If we try to do it all by ourselves, then it tends to, it's overwhelming at times. So hunter types who've really cultivated and like become aware of both their strengths and limitations, often can really thrive in an entrepreneurial environment if that's your particular spark, the thing that you most care about. Another hunter type tendency, strength, is it being adventurous, so continually drawn to investigate new places, ideas, and ways of being restlessness. This is one of the key traits of hunter types, and it can go either way. That can take you down some really dark roads that that are very self-destructive, or on the positive side, those can lead you into making decisions and jumps and leaps that other people, other common, quote-unquote, common folk may not be willing to do. And I know I looked back at my life and uh, I can say for the most part, it went well because I'm here and I'm alive and I'm, I'm healthy. Uh, and there were definitely jumps where I'm like, oh, my gosh, wow, why did I do that? But I'd say for the most part, there were I, I'm grateful for this particular trait because I it opened my world up um, to a much to, to broaden my horizons, connecting with a lot, a lot of people that I wouldn't have connected with. And I made some big decisions. And I've talked about this previously in my podcast where I've, I did pretty much a ritual death when I was 25, where I just got rid of everything. I really got, I sold the company that I had started. I basically gave, you know, the company to the people that I was working with. Uh, and took took my commission from one of the, the the projects, and I got a I got down to a guitar and a backpack, and I got a one way ticket to Maui, and I was going to travel around the world, um, and that was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. I look back and say, had I not done that, uh, I don't know where I'd be. And and so, but at the time, people thought I was crazy. They just thought, well, you just built, you've got Toyota and Mazda, and who else were my big? We had big clients, and I had built the company from zero. And then had a great team of people around me. And um, I just felt like this isn't it. And I sold it, got rid of everything. And, and I think I had a couple boxes that I stored at my parents' house. And I left. And it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. But I will say, looking back, I would never do it now at this age. But, I, but back then, that was definitely the decision that transformed my life. And uh, there were so many gifts that came from that. But that was clearly the hunter-type tendency pushing me to make a very uh, adventurous decision. Another strength is we are initiators. So hunter types tend to, uh, again, tend to, not all of us, but tend to initiate things or we're good at getting things going, sparking new energy. And I think this is often paired with uh, a, a flexible perception of time where we think, oh, well, I could do that. And then later you're like, oh my gosh, had I known how much energy and time this would take, I probably wouldn't have taken it. But if you can back that up with a skill set and with um, with you have good health habits and things that keep you like really focused on utilizing your strengths, then this can really work out. So 
again, this goes into uh, hunter types being good, can be good entrepreneurs. So initiators, so we're often the founding, founders of new businesses and organizations. I've seen that over and over again. Uh, the stat is, I think, Psychology Today, the magazine stated that uh, people with ADHD are 300% more likely to start their own business. So this is clearly, and you just look through the list of, uh, of entrepreneurs, not all of them, but many of them, especially the ones that were really innovative. If you look at their personal life and their tendencies, they had very strong hunter type tendencies, both in the positive and the negative. So uh, initiators, we think big, we dream big, often leaders in our field of interest and constantly absorbing and integrating new ideas, then sharing them with others. So again, if you don't hear, if you hear this and go, oh, that's, I don't know if that's me or not, um, ask yourself, have you cultivated the necessary mental focuses for terms of your nutrition, your diet, how you're, how you're moving through your life and taking care of yourself to allow this to emerge? And especially I'm talking to you if you're in your early to mid 20s, I just, as a hunter type being wired this way, who's now, you know, 47 years old, go take care of yourself. Take the time right now to focus on getting your nutrition, your exercise, get your health in place, and it will pay dividends un, like hundreds fold. You have, it will just make your life better and you're, it'll take it'll take away a lot of the resistance that comes from not taking care of yourself and your health. So if you can find your way into focusing on your health now, you will see later in your life the ability to take your gifts out into the world uh, more effectively because your, take, your health is handled. You've taken care of that piece. So other skills are passionate. So hunter types are often, often some of us, not all of us, uh, we can be hard workers. We're passionate about what we love. If we found the thing we love and we care about it and we've, we've, we're really sparked by it and then we utilize, we've taken that into the world, then passion, we, we can be passionate human beings. Focused on mastery, have times of seemingly boundless energy. I know I I've can definitely state that I've gotten into those spaces before where I'm just like lit up by something and I will just doggedly go after it over and I'll tell people about it. I'll inspire them to do it. I can say with podcast is is definitely a manifestation of that um a low tolerance for mediocrity i think that goes back to you know we were talking about neil peart earlier um just the, the really pushing against it's got to be really really good or why do it so that is that there's there's pluses and minuses to that that's part of the tendency that can go in the negative which is that hunter types tend to be all or nothing and if, if that's the all or nothing is too strong, you don't make any progress because the inner critic is too strong and you don't, you're not able to make progress. So you have to temper that tendency, which can be a great gift when you're mastering a skill to then turn that around and also be able to be gentle enough on yourself to recognize you're still a human being. You have people around you that if you push them too hard, they will rebel. <laughs> so these are the, again, strengths and challenges. These, these tend to go hand in hand. And so you got to find your way into utilizing the strengths without uh, suffering the consequences of the weaknesses that are also paired with those. Um, and meticulous attention to detail in certain areas. I think that's also uh, can be a hunter type tendency. And as I've stated, I think it becomes more these the the positive parts of these really come out as you start to take care of yourself and your health. That's been my experience with it. 
Another strength is we can be autodidactic, drawn towards self-learning. I'd say that's a real common trait for most of the hunter types that I coach. Um, and I think that's also a resistance. Uh, the other side is it's a resistance to um, conformity and, and a more firmer type way of learning. Uh, I think if, if you think back through past, you know, the last 200 years, when you think back to especially hunter-gatherer cultures, but even just survival in tribe, like wherever you lived two, 300 years ago, if you didn't develop uh, a way of learning on the job, I mean, these, these skills uh, kept us alive. That tendency, like we did not learn how to keep ourselves alive in the forest as hunters, if um, by sitting in school for 10 hours a day, you know, hearing, you know, seeing someone draw like an animal on a chalkboard and say, here's how you shoot the, it didn't work that way. That we, it was on the job training and it was also our uh, creativity and our ability to learn from our environment that kept us alive. Your ancestors had to have this trait of being autodidactic in order to live, in order for you to be alive right now. So, um, so autodidactic, self-directed, learn best, hands-on, tend to follow their inner calling regardless of outward pressures. Again, pluses and minuses to that one. And drawn to self-study or apprenticeship versus structured learning environments. And I think apprenticeship, mentoring, these are such important pieces of a culture that I, I'm afraid are getting lost in modern culture, and I'm afraid they are. They are definitely getting lost. And I feel feel like, especially, I think in art, in the arts, there's still areas where if you're good at what you do, if you have a talent and a gift, and you can show up and do it, which means that you're reliable in doing it, you can often make a living. Not always the case, but I know a lot of um, artists, like uh, in terms of um, like illustrators and painters, people who are who want to do that for a living. Um, if you can show that you, you can do the work, you can get work. The part of it becomes whether or not you can then be reliable and do it consistently. And that becomes the challenge. And I know there's a number of you that listen to the podcast who've been able to, to do that, or you're struggling with it. Cause when you have a deadline and when you're doing your art, uh, for another person, for a group or for, for a company, it becomes a whole different animal and you have to find a way to inspire yourself and keep yourself going. Nevertheless, though, being able to cultivate those skills to to learn on your own, have a certain level of inner discipline that you learn on your own and then you move forward with it and you take those gifts out into the world. Those are parts of the potential strengths of being a hunter type. Another potential strength uh, is being inspirational, inspiring others, being lit up by something, sharing that energy and that inspiration with other people. And uh, inspiration in spirito, so uh, bringing spirit, like kind of breath, is what what spirit comes from the word breath, and it it's basically that the breath of life. Can you infuse that into another human being by your own being lit up yourself? Can you you're so lit up that it just it's contagious. Other people experience it. So inspirational, good at motivating, inspiring others. Many hunter types are good uh, speakers. They're good at sharing uh, what they know with other people and getting them inspired about it just by their sheer enthusiasm. Um, again, I think this comes back to if you are taking care of yourself, then you have, you're overflowing with that energy because it's both the energy of inspiration, but that's also coming from physical 
energy. You're t- if you're sick all the time, you're not feeling good, then you're not going to be able to to when the the spark comes, be able to then share that with other people, much less just take it in yourself and, and inspire yourself to get up in the morning. So inspirational, good at motivating, inspiring others, energetic, often charismatic, high self-esteem when doing what they're passionate about. I think that's the key theme to what we're talking about today. When we're passionate about something, hunter types, can, we, you can't stop us. We will just go and go and go. And I know many of you have experienced this thing where you'll stay up all night studying something, wake up kind of groggy the next day, but you're just, you can't stop. You're so inspired to learn and grow in that area. And here again, there's a plus and minus to that. The plus side is you want to be someone who's who wakes up, who has something that they care about so much, they will just dig into it, especially if it's something to do with a skill set or something that you can share with another human being to make their life better. If you can take, that's a winning combination. On the other end of that, finding the balance where you can shut it off, get some sleep so that you have the, the rest of your life is balanced. And I know a lot of musicians and artists who will stay up all night or sit for like 12 days at a time and get almost no sleep and create amazing work. But at some point you're going to crash. And if that's your tendency, then that's fine. As long as you can then have the, the structure of your life to take a break, rest, and then come back again and and do it again. So that's fine. Whatever works for you is fine. But uh, if you have a family and you have uh, people that are relying on you, often we have to then temper that enthusiasm and inspiration with balance and finding our way to to work with that fire in order for us to um, have some balance with it. And I think when I was younger, inspiration and that energy of just like, oh my gosh, I have to focus on this right now. I, I've learned over time to balance that. I, I, I think I was afraid that it would never come back. <clears throat> that was the tendency that I, and I think a lot of hunter types feel that way. It's like, oh my gosh, this is here now. I have to maximize this because it may go away forever. And as I've gotten older and I've met many, many different artists and creative people, I've found that you, you just learn over time. It does come back. You create the space for it. It will show up. And that's a great gift. So you're no longer ruled by it. You can summon it. And I think that's the, that's the mark of someone who's a skilled and seasoned artist in, or an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, if you create the space for it, it will show up. And that, that's the, there's a turning point, I think, as an artist when that happens, when you realize, oh, you know what? I'm just going to set a creative discipline for myself. As I, you know, when I wrote the book, I just said, I'm going to work from this time to this time. And uh, as I mentioned before in previous podcasts, I I worked at a library because I learned from other writers, don't try to write at home, go to or your office, go someplace different. And and I would just say, I'm going to work from this time to this time. And uh, there was times where I just showed up and like, I don't know how I'm going to get anything done today. And it did. It showed up. There was, and there was days where it wasn't as strong. And there was some days where I just like, I can't do it today. But for the most part, I watched and the same with music. I would see if I wanted to write a song or I wanted to keep creating, um, setting a regular time to work and allow that and know like what I needed to expose myself to in terms of listening to other music and just creating the environment for inspiration to come in was enough. I did, it, it was no longer, Oh my gosh, this is never, this is going to go away. So I just have to stay up for three days or else I'm going to lose it. Um, I think there's a time and place for that. I think if you're finishing a big project, sometimes that that's appropriate. 
But is it for the day to day? I think if you can learn to summon it, create the space for it, inspiration comes when when you call it in. If you create the space for it, that's been my experience. And if you can read, like many artists will talk about a similar tendency in a, in a learning that they came to over a period of time. So other points for inspiration and being inspirational as a hunter type, confident in the, our areas of expertise and can excel in certain leadership roles. Uh, and I think that's very much true. I think if a hunter, t- if you've developed your skill set as either an artist or an entrepreneur or whatever the thing is that you most care about, we can make, we can be good leaders. And in part of that is the challenge of how do you manage the mundane, the correspondence, the paperwork, because it's there's going to be some version of that. Almost in any field, you're, there's going to be stuff that's the mundane stuff that you're going to have to deal with. There's there's almost no perfect art form that doesn't require some level of self-discipline or pushing towards more of the farmer type stuff. There's always going to be something like that. So in order to be successful, we have to make peace with that and find our way to utilizing. So as a leader, I think successful leaders that are hunter types have learned tools and tips to in, in support systems around them to keep the, the, the rest of life, the, the minutia handled because it can easily become overwhelming as I'm sure many of you are listening to this podcast because that's where you've gotten to. It's like life has become overwhelming. Your spouse or someone else or someone at your work is saying, you know, you're not showing up the way you should. And so what I'm hoping from this podcast, this particular episode, you get a sense of inspiration of where to put your focus so that you can get yourself back up and inspired uh, to to utilize your gifts more fully. So another potential hunter type trait is socially adaptive. So it's the ability to relate to many different types of people, make new acquaintances easily, often excel at sales and customer relations. I coach many people in sales that are hunter types. Hunter types can just do amazing at sales if you are Uh, If you have this particular strength as a hunter type, um, I have a couple very high performing salespeople uh, in my coaching arena. And um, yeah, and but at the at the end of the day, if you if it's a strength, the challenges of the mundane uh, getting back to people, the correspondence, once the first hit of meeting the person and connecting goes away for for hunter type salespeople. It's the it's thinking the long term. It's handling the day to day grind uh, and having your systems in place and motivating yourself to do them. Those are the biggest challenges for sales hunter types. And uh, I can just say from my experience, hunter type, this particular trait uh, with a hunter type as far as sales goes, uh, can take us a long way and make us a lot of money, as I've seen from many of the people I work with. Um in terms of socially adaptive, fun to be around, good conversationalists tend to have good people skill uh, tend to have good people skills and a sense of humor. Again, not for all hunter types, but for many hunter types, this is I'd say sixty to seventy percent is a tendency. Uh, so if that's you, then make note of it. For me, this is situational. Uh, I was definitely picked on growing up, so I'd say. In like second, third, fourth grade, I did not feel connected to my peer group. I was kind of, I was definitely the outcast. No doubt. I think if you went back and asked the people I went to school with, they would say that was, he was the outcast. And it was because I don't, I think I hadn't come into my own uh, fully and I was probably kind of a weird, awkward kid. 
And I know many of you went through this. So I know I'm not the only one. I would like to do a whole podcast just on this of just the stuff we went through growing up as hunter type kids. Uh, So we all have the wounds in whatever way uh, to show for that for most of us. Uh, So I'd say this socially adaptive thing uh, is situational depending, it depends on the person. And for me, it it depends on the situation. If I step into a situation like a business situation where the roles are established and people know who I am, then it, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I can sit down and lead a meeting. I just, I don't, and especially if like the coaching clients, I, I don't get, I'm real comfortable in that situation. If I'm in a situation where I don't know people, they don't know who I am, uh, and especially if there's a lot of farmer types that that I have to, I feel like I got to prove myself. Then it feels re- it all comes back. I always I feel like I'm a little kid again, feeling socially awkward, and it's painful. And it hasn't gone away. And I've worked on it a lot. So um, just for you other f- fellow hunter types out there, I, it's easy for me to get on the mic and do this. But in certain situations, it's very difficult. And I know for many hunter types, this is really common. And and for me, the great gift of having that social ostracization, uh, being socially ostracized when I was that age pushed me to look towards adults and older people to connect with and spend time with. And that was the greatest gift because I had, I just connected with my peers, I think I would have gone a completely different direction. So I, even though it was painful, I'm grateful that that actually occurred because um, the rest of my life went so much better. So if, if you're someone that hasn't fully shed that yet, and you're maybe in your early to mid 20s, um, see the gifts of it and utilize it to your benefit. And if, you know, work on what you need to work on, go to therapy a little bit. That's what, you know, good therapists will help you clear out some of that stuff so you can regain your self-confidence again. So another hunter type strength potentially is, and I'd say for most of us, this is true, intuitive. So capable, capable of following our gut intention to successful outcomes, uh, can feel a connection to something bigger than ourselves and often drawn to matters of the spirit. And again, this is not necessarily like religious, but I think many of us have a strong draw towards a spiritual life. Uh, I think it's connected in here with that or just in general, just intuitive. Like we have an intuition about something and then we find out later, wow, I, I had that intuition was dead on. And I think for many hunter types, we're a little more connected to it. I think there's something about the wiring that gives us, and maybe it's just our subconscious. If you want to, if you're more of a rationalist and you want to go in that direction, uh, or who knows, but I know for me, it's like, I trust my intuition pretty strongly. And at the same time, I've had to learn what was intuition and what was not. And often that gets, I've, I've heard Russell Brand talking about that recently, where he said, I have this amazing gift to be, to have these intuitive things. And then people listen to me and we, we, we go forward and it turns into something beautiful. And then there's times where I have that same feeling and it goes miserable. And he's like, well, this is such a useless gift. Uh, and I think that can be true, but I think there's ways of cultivating that. So, you know, you listen, I think intuition does serve us well if we can quiet our mind down and and decipher what's intuition versus what's just coming out of our head or our rational mind. And I think that's where my meditation comes in and it comes in handy in those situations. And I know many entrepreneurs say they make all their decisions uh, from like the big decisions come from a gut intuition 
to their success. And if you study, go through and, and read the lives of people that have been really successful as entrepreneurs, gut intuition is definitely part of their decision making. It's, it's at least a component of it. Uh, I think one of the founders of Sony said he would eat the deal, like he would like swallow it and let it kind of churn inside him for a little bit. And that was his method of like getting to a place of like, is this going to be helpful for me or is this going to, is this a bad decision? So it's, it's mercurial. It's hard to talk about gut intuition because it's, it's subjective to each person. But I'd say as a whole, hunter types, based on all of you that I've spoken to and worked with, that we all tend to have intuitive senses on things that if we follow them and not get too rational and can at least step forward with some things that you feel like could move you forward because you have a gut sense of it, uh, can really pay off. So I, w- I would say with this particular strength, I'd say it's very helpful to pair this with a meditation practice. So another potential hunter type strength is being empathic. I'd say this is across the board. I'd say this one is pretty common for most hunter types. We tend to be compassionate. We make good mentors, sensitive to the well-being of others, often drawn towards service and big picture causes. So again, depending on where you're at with that, I'd say empathic is a big one for us. We tend to be more sensitive human beings. I'd say that one goes across the board just about with every hunter type I've met with. There's certain, a certain, it may manifest differently. Your, your spouse may not say that about you, but there is a, a sensitivity that comes from being a hunter type. And I think it's at the core of our wiring is this hypersensitivity. And so this can often lead to us being compassionate human beings because maybe we've suffered uh for being wired this way. We have some suffering that comes from from this and maybe not being fully understood. And that often just then turns into being a more compassionate human being. So empathic. So empathic meaning you you can sit with another human being and connect with them on a deeper level than just a mental capacity of just listening to their thoughts and what they're sharing. There's an empathy for their human experience. And this particular strength, I know I utilize daily in my coaching practice. It's like if I didn't have an ability to be empathic, no one would want to work with me because I could just give them a, like, I could say, here's a list of things you should do. You know, let me know when you get those done. It's like, that's not how I work as a coach. I co- when I coach, I'm connecting to that other human being and I'm, I'm and sensing and being empathic in ter- terms of what they need today in this moment versus here's like a structure that I have and you should do it this way. Uh, which there is, a, I have a structure, but at the same time, this particular skill keeps me connected to my fellow human beings. And when I'm utilizing this skill, I feel more at home in the world. I feel like when I come off a day of coaching, even if it's a long day and I had some really challenging calls, I still feel a sense of satisfaction because I had a, an ability and an opportunity to be empathic with another human being, to connect with them at that deeper level. So to me, this is something that can be um, focused on, developed. It does not necessarily manifest on its own. It can be challenging. The other end of being empathic is you can be overly sensitive to the world and to people around you. And so it, it can often lead to overwhelm. So there again, from my experience, uh, exercise, nutrition, those pieces tend to, 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 
soften those edges a little bit so you you have a little more strength being with the world and with other people's pain without being completely overwhelmed by it. I think that in and of itself is an area of exploration that can be cultivated and refined. And finally, uh, another potential hunter type trait is comfortable with big challenges. So we're, cap- we're potentially capable of taking on large situations. We can be good in crisis and emergency situations, not afraid to take action, can be a stabilizing presence during difficult situations. I know a number of you are uh, emergency workers or doctors, you know, because you've reached out to me, firefighters. I know there's a lot of hunter type firefighters. We, many of us have this particular strength. Uh, It's not all of us, but many of us have the ability to, when there's an emergency situation, we light up, we know what to do. And I think it has to do with its high level of stimuli and it kicks into that place of like, okay, it, it almost calms us down and we can focus. Whereas when we're kind of like life is uninspired and there's not something that's really calling us, then it's easy for us to kind of go to sleep or go into addictive behaviors. But when we're called to show up, this is often a, a hunter type tendency of being able to handle the big situation. And that may manifest in uh, working as a paramedic working as a doctor, working as a firefighter, working just in family situations we can or, or bigger emotional situations, it often calls us to show up and we can. We can show up and we, we can often be the most calm person in the room, which often feels antithetical to many of the hunter type tendencies because people say, oh, you're scattered. But it's situational. For many of us, uh, our challenges are situational and not blanket. So, you know, again, even just with ADHD and just challenge with focus, that's situational because we do have the ability to hyper-focus. Almost all of us hunter types do. So those are the strengths. Those are that, And that's not a complete list, but that's a good list to start from. So take that in for a second. Note which ones jump out at you as one being something that you you know that you have or two that you know that you'd like to cultivate that you can you've sensed that that's in there for you. So the question is what's lighting you up right now? What's the thing that going into 2020 that's you're most inspired to do? Is it to take care of yourself, to shore up some of the the challenges that you've been facing for a long time that you've just made the decision you have to you have to get support you've got to make make some changes that are going to make your life better is that where you're at is there a particular project that you're inspired by pay attention to that pay attention to what's alive in you as you heard me go through this podcast make notes to yourself don't let that stuff just float away take a moment Write things down that inspire you so that you get into the habit of following through with that energy and that inspiration. So here's today's exercise. So a sheet of paper, if you can get a sheet of paper out, a a notepad to write on, or uh, you can just write it in your phone. Um, Start with this question. I'm going to give you a series of questions and just hit pause uh, after I, I state the question and write your answer down, and then you can continue. I'll leave a little gap between each one of these. So question number one is, what are the traits you most prize in yourself? Think back to the list that I mentioned earlier about hunter-type tendencies and the strengths. And what are some of the, the, the traits, the tendencies that you have that you most cherish in yourself? Make a list. Just, just bullet them out for yourself. 
Question number two is what positive traits have others noted or mentioned that were a benefit to them that you have? Next question. What are some specific actions you can take in the next week, in the upcoming week, that will most nourish these traits? Pick at least one action you can take that shows up for you as like, okay, I can do this particular thing that will lean in the direction of this particular strength or these strengths. Next question. Which of these traits can be more fully utilized in your work life in terms of increasing your work satisfaction and potentially increasing your income? Next question, which of these traits can be more fully utilized at home in terms of your home life, in terms of creating, uh, maybe it's your family, maybe it's just your, your home space, making it more uh, inspiring and warm and nourishing for yourself, whatever it is, which traits can you more fully bring to bear to make your home life more nourishing and fulfilling? And finally, which of these traits can be more fully utilized to be of service to others in terms of your friends and family, volunteering, uh, potentially moving forward in your work life? Maybe there's like a new venture that you want to explore. How, which of these traits can be most utilized to support other people in terms of service? So take a moment and just look back at what you wrote and just take it in for a second. Those are both the traits that you can focus on that will bring you a greater sense of self, self-esteem, uh, joy, fulfillment. Like This is your roadmap. If you lean in those directions and you start to cultivate those tendencies and skills um, you will be a more happy, fulfilled person. It will start to, if, as you move towards those more fully, your life will become more fulfilling. The people around you will be happier that you're around because you're, you're feeding them in some way. So, and also look at the actions, the potential actions that you could take and see if you can put those on your calendar. What are some things you can do to set a reminder for yourself to do those things, to take some action? Or maybe you just need to take this in a little more, and maybe you need to schedule a time in the next day or two to come back and revisit this, maybe do some journaling on it to see what you can do moving forward, going into 2020, that will give you a sense that you are maximizing your strengths going into this year. Okay, so I hope that was helpful to you. I would love to, get, if you have any feedback on this, please let me know. Drop me an email at info at drummerinthegreatmountain.com or post to this podcast uh, on Facebook. You find the, the post that I put up for this particular podcast. Respond in there. I'd love to hear your feedback from taking this exercise. And also, as I mentioned earlier, uh, our upcoming Alive Online workshop starts on January 25th. So if you want to take this all to the next level and get some extra support and being around other hunter types, uh, it's an excellent opportunity to cultivate life visioning and goal setting as a habit, building that into your day-to-day life, time management, wellness planning, and building a strong support system. That's what we'll be talking about four weeks uh, on Saturdays. It'll be two and a half hours per session, lots of support materials, 
as well that comes from this. So if you're interested, we'd love to have you go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash workshop. And um, that's it. So until next time, be well. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about the book, The Drummer in the Great Mountain, visit drummerinthegreatmountain.com. To join us on social media, click the links at the top of the homepage. Help us spread the word. We're a small press and reviews really help. If you've been enjoying the podcast or the book, consider writing a review on iTunes, Amazon, Goodreads, or your podcast app. If you're new to the podcast and want to quickly get up to speed on the concepts we discuss, check out our free five-day mini course. Visit drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash mini course. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover on future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at info at drummerinthegreatmountain.com.